You're listening to Green Mountain Medicine, an original podcast series by ACP Vermont for all things internal medicine. I'm Matt. I'm Dylan. And we're your hosts on tonight's show. This series aims to unpack the complexity of medicine in a nuanced and evidence-based way. And if that sounds like something you would enjoy, then we are happy you could join us. For the next half hour, we invite you to relax, grab some coffee, and engage with us as we deconstruct the topics that impact our field and characterize our practice. Hey everyone, Uh, in the spirit of hearing some voices and perspectives from some different members throughout our Vermont medical community, we reached out to several faculty members at the UVM Medical Center and the Larner College of Medicine to tell us a bit about how the COVID pandemic has impacted their practice and their role as educators, and then to hear a little bit of personal side of uh, how they've been handling social distancing measures. So we invite you to tune in and hear what's been going on. Hi, I'm Lewis First, Chair of Pediatrics and Chief of our University of Vermont Children's Hospital. And probably the most difficult thing for me personally in dealing with COVID was that our faculty came to me and asked that I not go in the hospital for the past eight or nine weeks because I aged out and they were worried. And it's really very nice and very emotional because I love to be on the front lines and I love to walk that hospital every day. But they told me at the time that there was plenty that I could do and they were right. I have been ensconced with with our entire team working on care pathways, protocols, algorithms, um, where we learn about population health and quality improvement, we're doing it. We have been as vested in the families who are home and isolated who have chronic illness and complex illness to keep them well and when they're scared to access the health system as what we're doing for systems of care here for mothers and babies, uh, establishing teams that would be nowhere near our newborn babies while they're taking care of sick inpatients and trying to keep everybody's heads above water. Um, I have witnessed from an inspiring standpoint an enormous amount of commitment, um, dedication, collaboration, I would say lots and lots of planning, communication, and exquisite teamwork. It's remarkable, it's inspiring, and it's it's why I can tell you I entered this profession and um, I'm very proud and humbled to be a member of it. I am also the editor-in-chief of the journal Pediatrics for the American Academy of Pediatrics. And over the past two plus months, hundreds of manuscripts have crossed my desk involving issues of COVID and children. Issues, you name the the permutations and combinations of how you can relate this illness to issues of infants, children, teenagers, and they're coming papers from all over the world. And I feel humbled and privileged that I have a look at this and then get these papers reviewed. And we now can turn them out with a review, revision and review in literally a week and a half, if less than that. So we are posting articles on our website that are literally changing how we care for children around the world based on studies, evidence-based studies that are coming through this journal. And that is, as you can imagine, has me hunkered down as well, being challenged to sort through the science that is COVID and at the same time inspired to know that through my seat here at the Larner College of Medicine, we're disseminating new information on child health, sharing it. And then I'm doing podcasts and other things to get this information out to the rest of the world. From an educational standpoint, COVID has been, again, challenging, not disappointing, not difficult so much as to say, allowing creative juices to flow to figure out ways 
to take this and make what we're doing into learnable moments for the future of our profession and the patients we will care for. So our faculty have been looking for every opportunity to engage our students, our residents, our staff, trainees, nursing, etc., to learn about disaster planning. And we've invited them in to participate where they can in our Zoom huddles and even to join our weekend editorial board calls so that they can learn how we are selecting these studies and what's happening in this field when you can't be right there with us. Finally, there's been my role educating the public. Um, I have the opportunity to educate it in the public media um, and I had to throw away all of my weekly pieces that were dealing with child health issues and for the past 10 weeks have done a series of programs on every aspect of COVID, segments on the news that deal with um, the illness itself, how to deal with the stress, how to deal with social determinants of health like food insecurity, which we're very focused on right now as we recover, all of the other social determinants, how to prevent violence in the home, issues of abuse. All of this has been an education piece that I've used print media, social media, uh, radio and television to convey that message. So despite not being on the front lines, uh, I would say that COVID in my professional career has probably been more challenging and kept me more energized at the same time, trying to make a difference in so many arenas with the entire team that surrounds me and that I am supported by where I can support them at the same time. As to what I do when I'm not, thinking about how we're going to deal and get through this pandemic. I can tell you that this has been an incredible time to relish um, quality time and social time with dear family and friends. Um, I don't like to use the word social distancing. I much more prefer physical distancing because I have never been more social. We're reaching out to each other right now, people that I haven't talked to in a long time. Uh, when you're sitting at home and you really want to see human voice in contact, this is a time to just pause and not hustle bustle and run to the movies or do something, but just spend that quality time with family and friends. And that has been an enormous support for me personally, and I hope I've been supporting others. Some great things have been Zoom dinners. I did a Zoom dinner with my roommates from medical school. We're celebrating our 40th reunion this year, and we got all the roommates on Zoom dinners to talk about what COVID has meant to them. And I have to tell you, it's energizing, it's inspirational to see what my roommates are doing in similar fashion around the country as physicians to what we're doing here in the, in the Vermont, upstate New York area. I think the most important thing is that um, this has been, as much as this has been difficult and challenging and exceedingly sad to see human life not make it because of this virus, it's also really given me time to recognize the importance of special relationships. And I get that from our department. I get that from people at the Learner College. I get that from the hospital. And I get these special relationships from my family and friends right now in ways I never have before. And I can tell you, it's those special relationships and the support that I felt and I hope I'm giving to others that I believe is gonna last long after this pandemic has disappeared. My name is Dr. Emily Greenberger. I am an internal medicine physician at UVM. I'm a primary care doctor in South Burlington. I was a hospitalist for a couple years and then I switched over to primary care. Before the COVID-19 pandemic, I was working to kind of balance my career as best I could between um, seeing patients in my office, so my clinical time and teaching time. and that was kind of my focus, is, is kind of working on that balance. And then when coronavirus started, everything just hit 
pause a little bit, I think for all of us. And what happened kind of immediately was we stopped seeing patients in our clinic. We were still kind of coming into clinic, but mostly handling issues over the phone or on my online messages and trying to work with the nurses on kind of triaging things. But there would be days when I wouldn't see any patients at all. And it was strange. I think it was, it was a very strange time, but I think we were all just kind of waiting to see what was going to happen. And then I was called upon to go work at one of the nursing facilities or one of the rehab facilities, um, Elderwood. And I think one of the reasons I was kind of first on the list is because I had recently been a hospitalist. So I had a little more familiarity with sort of hospital issues. And that was a really interesting and fun experience in a lot of ways, but also very, very challenging because I didn't know the system. I had never worked there before. And then on top of that, just, it was kind of scary to being sort of responsible for protecting myself, protecting the patients who were coming in, being admitted to Elderwood, and then the patients that were already there. And the nurses and I just, we were all kind of learning it together on the fly, it seemed. At times it, at times it felt pretty overwhelming, but it was also, it's also a good learning experience. It felt, overall it just felt very good to have a, a job that I felt was helpful. Um, I think that what, that to me outweighed the, the sort of anxiety of being there, of getting sick. I just, it just felt nice to actually be somewhere where I felt like I was helping. And yeah, I think it's been, it's been a challenge, but lots, everyone has really risen to the occasion. Now I'm back in my clinic. My schedule is just as full as it was before, um, but it's all over the telephone and on Zoom. So uh, some things feel like they're being managed just as well in that setting, but um, other issues like you know, following up on diabetes labs or checking a blood pressure or examining somebody's achy knee, that it, it kind of feels like that's just kind of still on hold. So a lot of the visits don't feel quite as productive. And then teaching, we've just had to adapt. So that's been both a little bit frustrating that I don't have students with me because that's that's really fun for me to have students in my clinic, but it's it's been neat that it's given me kind of some different opportunities to try different things in teaching. So we have started doing some of the resident teaching sessions over Zoom, which I think have gone pretty well. And then we started doing the M4 reports every week with Matt and Dylan, who've been leading the charge on that. And that's been super fun and a totally different, I think, venue for learning for you guys. Yeah, pros and cons, I think. Um, a lot, I've been doing a lot of the same things that I normally do um, to sort of have work-life balance. I run a lot, I've still been doing that. I started road biking again. I went out this weekend and it was beautiful and it was just, it was just so magical. I spend time with my dog, I still go for walks with my dog, spending time with my significant other, so that's been great. A lot of Zoom sessions with my friends, and it's it's kind of interesting, I, I feel kind of more connected to some friends than I did before because we're making time to talk, but I still, I miss seeing my local friends in person. What else? I've been doing puzzles for the first time in a while. Um, that's been different. Trying not to completely 
lose myself in movies and TV because that doesn't always make me feel as good as doing some of the other sort of outdoor and intellectual activities, but um, definitely have been doing some of that too. My name is Meredith Collins. I'm in the Division of Plastic Surgery in the Department of Surgery. And my practice is mainly breast reconstruction for breast cancer patients, which, um, although it doesn't seem that way, is considered elective surgery. So these have been on hold, so our breast cancer patients have been, with the exception of very few, you know, not been receiving reconstruction right now. You know, so obviously our surgeries have slowed down dramatically in the last couple of months. And in terms of what we've been doing, otherwise clinically, you know, our service covers facial trauma calls. So we've, you know, still been seeing regular trauma patients that we would otherwise be seeing. And then in terms of my role as an educator, uh, you know, I'm the surgery clerkship director, and there have been tremendous changes in the medical school curriculum. Um, and right now it's a moving target and we've had a lot of contingency plans for different dates for students to return to the clinical environment. So really the majority of my time since the pandemic started has been um, dedicated to the clerkship and student re-entry and um, redoing the curriculum and trying to create a remote curriculum for remote learning and planning for when students do return and how will that look and you know how many students will we have here and it's it's been a lot of um, zoom meetings <laughs> um, but the nice thing is you know because our clinical practice has slowed down I certainly have the time and energy to devote to this, but that's that's really been occupying the vast majority of my time. Well, it's always bittersweet taking a break from work, right? Because everybody knows the surgery is a very demanding lifestyle. So I've had a lot of time to spend with my two and a half year old, which is wonderful. And um, been spending a lot of time with my husband and my dogs and taking a lot of walks. <laughs> which is nice. I also learned how to bake bread. So I've been baking bread almost every day. It's been such a big hit that now I have to do it every day because my husband has a freak out if we run out. So I love to cook. So it's been nice to be home to cook and not be stressed about coming home at the end of the day and putting a meal together and doing nice meal planning. And so that's been fun. It's, it's just been a more relaxed, time at home even though things are not relaxed so, so I just try to keep perspective and be grateful for what I have and where I am and spend this quality time with my little one which is wonderful he thinks it's the greatest thing that's ever happened because mommy's home all the time so that's good uh, my name is Andy Hale I am an infectious disease doctor here at the University of Vermont and also uh, the new course director of the cardiac, respiratory, and renal course for the second years. And um, COVID's made a big impact on both of those things. As a clinician, it's been it's been completely upending of normal. Um, myself and my group has spent so much time thinking about the best way to deal with COVID, thinking about COVID research projects, thinking about how to take care of people with COVID and how to take care how to take care of people without COVID and protect them from, from the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Um, so, you know, but this is why we go into infectious disease because things 
change every so often. Pre-1981, there was no HIV. Pre-2015, there was really not any Zika. And pre-just a few months ago, there was no coronavirus. And so it's maybe one of the one fields where something upending comes every so often, and it's part of what makes uh, infectious disease interesting. Um, as an educator, I've been doing a lot of talks on Zoom and getting my, my Zoom skills up to speed um, and spending um, a lot of time thinking about how CRR is going to work in the fall and mostly just keeping my fingers crossed. So I'm, I'm married to uh, a, a radiologist um, and she's been home a little bit more than usual recently. So we have a golden retriever named Mango that we spend lots of good time with. And I love to run and specifically trail run. So I've been doing a lot of that. Um, and we have some, we live down in Charlotte. We've got some gardens that need a lot of care. So um, work's been busy, but when uh, when I'm not working, it's been at home with, with my wife and Mango out in the garden or doing some nice runs. My name is Jennifer Gilby. I am the Division Chief of General Internal Medicine, a practicing general internist for the last almost 20 years now um, at our South Burlington adult primary care site, which is right on Timber Lane. We host students, many of them throughout the year. Um, and I'll tell you how the biggest impact for me with this COVID was that I was supposed to have a student start with me March 25th and we didn't get a student to come and work with us in our outpatient setting. So we host students who are on their outpatient internal medicine rotation. And I was really disappointed because it's part of the job that I really enjoy. I find it to be very invigorating and I was really disappointed, but I will say that it just got me thinking a lot more in this world of Zoom, how we might think about hosting students in a different way and, and how their education may be a little different utilizing Zoom for our patients, where I think in some respects it could be to a benefit. If we have patients who are doing Zoom visits, I literally could be a fly on the wall without the patient knowing. We obviously tell the patient, but I would take a back seat and then I would be able to really observe the student and listen to the whole conversation, which I think would you know, help me with giving feedback to the students, but I also think it would allow me to hear firsthand from the patients. Often when I'd go back in the room, the patients would feel like they have to repeat everything again or sort of that I didn't get the whole story. And this way we could just sort of talk about any questions that maybe didn't get asked or that needed, a, you know, elaboration. So I think that it may have some benefits in changing the way that we interact with students. I mean, I, I've long been in the room sort of evaluating and observing students but invariably the patients will turn to me and, and answer questions or ask follow-up questions of me. And it's really hard to redirect them back to the students. So this may be an opportunity to sort of be in the room, but not in the room. And then from a day-to-day -day basis, the other thing I miss is really seeing patients, you know, having them interact with us, with our staff. I mean, we're still seeing a lot of folks via Zoom, which I think is so much better than talking to them on the phone. Um, I, I really like when patients have that capability to do a video visit because I really miss seeing our patients and interacting with them in, in the ways that we, we used to. And of course, I'm in a lot of meetings in my other role and those have all become Zoom meetings which it, it's kind of fun because many people are in their natural element, meaning their home, um, and we can sort of talk about 
things that we might see that are of interest to them. So I'm in my office here in South Burlington now, but it's fun to see other people being able to sort of do these things from their homes. I have been outside and walking more than ever. I have two teenage daughters. Um, one's a first year in college, so she's back home, and the other's a junior in high school. And typically, we're really quite busy between their sporting events and other sorts of things. So to really have everybody home, it's been really different to really not have every minute of the weekend booked with something. So I'm really getting out and running a lot more and really making sure that I take the time to take care of myself. Sometimes going for walks, you know, two or three times a day <laughs> just, to, just to do something. And then I'm also studying for the boards. I take the boards again later this year. So this has allowed me to sort of study and then exercise and, and not really feel like I'm being pulled in a thousand directions. Though I miss sort of socializing and going to sporting events and those sorts of things. Yeah, my name is Jeremiah Dickerson. I am an assistant professor of psychiatry here at LCOM. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist, um, and I'm also the director of medical student education in psychiatry. So I have a chance to work with students across all four years of medical school, including directing the, the six-week psychiatry clerkship. So thinking about how you know the, the current COVID-19 pandemic has impacted me, um, I guess first clinically, we've been lucky in psychiatry in that we're sort of able to do a lot of what we do over telehealth. And so we've, we've been fortunate in a way that we're still very accessible to our patients and to the families that we see. And it's been quite lovely, actually. You know, certainly there are challenges to engaging folks over video and Zoom, um, but there still remains an intimacy. We get to see the insides of people's houses. We get to see their families. We get to see how they're living. And so it does add this sort of extra richness in a way to our patient visits, which was something that I really didn't expect to have such an impact on me clinically from seeing folks. And I, I think it's also too important, also important to note that um, there's sort of also a shared sense of distress as we all are sort of going through this. Certainly we're all going through it in our own different ways and have different vulnerabilities that affect us. But this shared experience also has been very interesting. You know, I find that more and more patients and families that I see are asking how I'm doing, which has also been really enlightening and kind of allows us to, to build that human connection in a way that we may not have been able to do prior to this pandemic. So. You know, it's useful to look at the, the silver lining of things in a way. I think also clinically, there's still a lot of uncertainty, right? And for us in the world of psychiatry, that uncertainty lies in the fact that we don't know what our mental health surge is gonna look like in the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months, the next year. Again, speaking to the fact that everyone's experiencing a fair amount of distress during all this. The question remains, what that what's that gonna look like when things come back to normal in some way and people are sort of re-emerging from their physical distancing. We've certainly seen a lot of anxiety over the past couple of months. You know, I don't consider myself on the front line in a way like many other providers are working in the ER and going to nursing homes, etc. But I guess we are kind of on the front line in, in, a, in a mental health type of way. 
In terms of my educational duties, things have changed quite dramatically, right? I mean, students have not um, been back on clinical service for the past handful of weeks. And frankly, we miss you guys. We miss you guys a lot. It's, it's a really rewarding part of the job. I find myself having thoughts of being lonely here in terms of sitting in my office, seeing patients over Zoom. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the day where Hopefully I'll have a student with me physically, but also, you know, we anticipate that students will also be joining our Zoom calls with patients. And I think that's going to be a really unique and hopefully rewarding experience for students because this may be, you know, somewhat the new normal, not only in psychiatry, but in other aspects of medicine moving forward too. So we also recognize that this is a terribly frustrating time um, for students throughout all four years, but we're really trying to do our best to help, you know, things move forward in a way that really helps you guys be successful in whatever ways that you want to be successful. My wife and I are both doctors and we both have, we, I mean, we have two young children. We have, we have twins who are um, in second grade. And so this has been a balancing act um, of sorts the past couple of months in terms of balancing our clinical work, um, coming into work versus Zooming from home, homeschooling our two kids and just maintaining everybody's own sanity throughout all this. We're really grateful to have a pretty incredible support system, both within our own family and with folks that have been able to help us out with our children. So we're, we're incredibly grateful and it, it certainly has opened our eyes up to sort of the resources that are available and um, sort of the gratitude that, that we have. It's been, it's been challenging, but also, you know, we're, we're trudging through and doing the best that we can. So another silver lining in all of this that I think we have had more quality family time together and we've had to get creative in terms of how to um, engage ourselves and engage our children every day. So we're not driving each other crazy and filing for divorce. <laughs> So it's been fun in that way. We try to get outside a lot. Um, we've gone on hikes while maintaining physical distancing the past several weekends. You know, I'm also an avid reader. And so I've really read more in the past six weeks than I, I think I have um, in the past year. Not only fiction, but also nonfiction as well. And also spending some time searching for CME credits and sort of filling that time wisely for educational purposes as well. My name's Elise Everett, and I am a associate professor at the Department of Obstetrics, Gynecology, and Reproductive Sciences at the University of Vermont. I'm a gynecologic oncologist as my clinical practice, and then I'm a medical educator, and I have a role in the dean's office as the level director for the clinical clerkship. So I oversee basically the third year uh, required clinical clerkships for the uh, Larner College of Medicine. In terms of thinking about how the pandemic has affected my um, clinical life, the obstetrics um, obviously just keeps going, that we don't stop taking care of pregnant mothers or delivering babies. So those faculty in our practice that do that have kind of continued that practice unabated. Also, I think, for the most part for cancer, that's also true. So that's where my focus is. And all of my cancer care has pretty much continued unabated. We've made a few adjustments in that we very quickly switched to telehealth and televideo. So stopped bringing in patients for in-person visits because most of those patients meet the high-risk criteria. So they're older, they're immunocompromised, they have other medical comorbidities, they're on chemotherapy. So we were very quick to adopt the telehealth and televideo portions to limit their ex exposure. We made a few adjustments to chemotherapy per the recommendations of our national organization where we, if we were giving patients two drugs, we would reduce 
use to one drug and add in Nulasta to boost their lymph node counts to avoid lymphopenia and increased risk for COVID exposure. And then surgically, we, again, following national recommendations, we sort of triaged our cancer patients to those considered urgent emergent surgery, those that were more maybe urgent and could wait a few weeks or even up to four to six weeks, and then those that were much lower risk and could potentially wait longer. So I continued to operate on those urgent emergent cases, which was probably cut my surgery down to about a third of what it would normally be. And obviously there were lots of adjustments in the operating room around personal protective equipment and intubation. And so some increased sort of safety precautions that were taken. So my clinical work continued, but obviously with some important adjustments for the, for the pandemic. From an educator perspective, I just took over my new position in February and then the pandemic happened in March. So that was not in my plans. I was all set to just launch the the usual clerkship and uh, just cheer along on the sidelines. And, and um, obviously we've had to do uh, quite a bit of work to sort of make a, some huge adjustments to the curriculum in this time and just to sort of review some of the things that done is we have delayed the start of clerkships from mid-March to now mid-July but we want to keep the students enrolled for lots of reasons but one so they can maintain their deferment of their loans so they can maintain their health insurance but also so that they can continue their medical education and um, you know pretty much stay on schedule to graduate on time so in order to um, continue providing providing medical education, we've had to very quickly move to remote learning. For the first month, we had um, students doing a COVID-19 reading month, really learning about the virus and the pandemic, because really it's going to be part of your lives as a physician moving forward. So we thought it was really important that you understood it to its full extent. The other really creative thing that we did, and this was really Kate Nicholas's uh, hard work was create a telehealth training for all third year and fourth year medical students. They're doing the American College of Physician modules on telehealth. And then what Kate is planning is that each student will do a remote telehealth SP visit and be assessed by the standardized patient for their use of telehealth and get some formative feedback. And then the last thing that we have done, and this is pretty consistent with what um, all schools are doing across the country is um, it's, they've labeled it bundling. So basically taking the medical knowledge, the cognitive uh, pieces of the clerkship, the sort of didactics and bundling them all up front while students cannot be in the clinical environment. And so we basically have an eight week curriculum and each clerkship has five days to deliver the, their curricular content or a portion of their curricular content so yeah, we've had to be really flexible. We've had to be very creative. We've had to work very quickly and it's really you know, been a team effort. The funny part has been watching how others sort of handle the uncertainty and uh, we all don't handle it the same way. So, so some people like the surgeons, I just, I'm like, here's the plan. They're like, oh yeah, we can make that work. That'll be great. And then others are like, we need more details. <laughs> so that's a sociology experiment in physician personalities and selection of specialties. <laughs> you know, in some ways, 
while I'm doing more work, it's also a little slower and it's been pretty nice to slow down a little bit. My kids are very busy kids and um, they each play three sports. And so, you know, I come to work and then I usually race out of work and try and get to a lacrosse game and then a hockey game. So we never sit down and have dinner together as a family. And because all of their athletics are canceled and they're trapped at home, it's allowed us to, as a family, to have a lot, a lot more family dinners, which is um, lovely for me. Um, I don't know if my kids would say the same thing, but it's also nice for me just see more of them in a in a quieter environment. Particularly my 15-year-old daughter, who, you know, is very busy with high school and sports and her friends. And sometimes I would go multiple days without seeing her because we. I would be gone in the morning before she woke up because she sleeps in late and then I go to bed before she does because she stays up late and uh, we were like ships passing in the night but now um, it's been really nice to see more of her and just having more time together as a family to do those kinds of things. My daughter's also driving so it's actually been an amazing time to learn to drive because there's no one on the roads so we can get in the car um, after dinner and go driving for 45 minutes. Who knew that learning to drive in a pandemic was going to be a plus? Yeah, and then my son, is, he's nine. He's about to turn nine. So we're going to do the pandemic birthday, which is an interesting thing to think about in terms of, you know, can you do something with a bunch of nine-year-olds? So I think we're thinking we can do biking. So we, uh, we're going to have the, the kids come less than 10 and you have to stay on your bike and you can't touch anybody else. So yeah, he, he's been busy playing roller hockey in the driveway and he's been riding his mountain bike in the woods and I'm pretty sure we're going to end up in the ER here soon. So I've really, you know, it's been nice for things to be a little slower and I've had more time with my family, which has been lovely. My name is Matt Gilbert. I am a associate professor of medicine uh, in the division of endocrinology and diabetes. And I have a uh, outpatient practice and uh, we rotate on the inpatient service. I have about 60% uh, of my day is spent clinical and the rest is with teaching and research. I'm also the director of the, the fellowship program here in endocrinology. So how has things affected me? It's effect affected me a lot. I mean, one of the, you know, the first week of April was really my uh, big two week teaching block that I do with the first year students in the NMGI. Uh, which is really my favorite time of the year. It's an opportunity for me to get out of the uh, uh, clinic for a little while and really get in front of students and and, and show them how exciting and uh, energetic and how um, um, how much fun really practicing medicine is and how much of a challenge it is. And the fact that there's a lot less um, black and white and a lot more gray and, and going through clinical scenarios and, and really teaching them things that I'm passionate about. So. The COVID-19 pandemic not allowing me to be face-to-face -face with them in person and kind of even just body language, using body language to show how enthusiastic you are, stepping behind, from behind the podium to, to, to engage them during certain particular parts of the discussions to really emphasize things. That whole kind of communication aspect that I really love was gone. And there was a, a large number of, of the class that I didn't get to see because uh, we did these kind of office hour sessions where Maybe they were 30, 35, sometimes 40 students, but not nearly the whole class. So there's a good chunk of the class that I've never gotten to meet or say hello to. And to me, that's kind of the fun of being in academic medicine is, is being able to teach at all different levels. But the interesting thing is that in these Zoom meetings, you actually click 
and you see people in their home. So being able to see them in their home environment with maybe something hanging on the wall, a lot of them had their pets with them or some of them were roommates to see that they were kind of learning together and, and bouncing back and forth uh, stuff around each other was, was kind of neat. So it was kind of a, there was definitely a silver lining for sure. My clinical practice has changed completely as well. I haven't seen a person in this clinic in eight weeks. Um, and I usually see, you know, 15 patients a day. So to not be going into the exam room and shaking hands and saying hello and examining patients and, you know, giving them a hug when they're going through something hard or when they lost their father, et cetera. Those things are tough for me because that's the part of outpatient medicine and endocrinology that I really like. I, I had this longitudinal relationship with my patients that I'm still having, but in a really different way. I think the silver lining to that is I also get to see them in their environment too. And we've had some discussions as faculty members that our patients are a lot more chatty on a video visits than they are in the visit. And, uh, you know, seeing in the background autographed pictures of, of people and of their favorite movie stars and their, uh, you know, big rig model collections. And so there has been some silver lining, but um, there's been a lot of heightened anxiety amongst the patients. And there's been heightened anxiety amongst us as providers, but definitely some silver linings as well. I think one of the neatest things is, is that we had to rapidly uh, deploy telemedicine. And now I have this great opportunity where I can chat with patients. And I really think this is something that's going to stay and be a part of our, our everyday clinic experience. We have patients at UVM here, right, that come from all over. So if I can save that 70-year-old person that scary drive to the big city from Malone uh, by doing a little video visit every other month. You know, we might be able to really improve our care and, and improve the, the life of that person. I've, I've been doing a lot of exercising, a lot of self-care. I mean, uh, you're so, it's amazing when, when life uh, basically gets put on pause. I have two children. I have a 14-year-old uh, freshman in high school. Uh, her name's Hannah and an 11-year-old who's a fifth grader in, um, her name's Molly. And we're really heavily involved in sports, both coaching and in playing. And all of a sudden, all that literally grinded to a halt. So one thing that we've noticed as a family is how busy we were, how how so many, every night of the week, there was somebody had practice, somebody had a game, somebody went here, somebody went here. You know, I think we missed some of that, but we've also realized that maybe we are a little bit too busy and that, um, you know, spending time getting beat by Clue, getting beat Clue now is my new my new hobby. My kids can, I used to be able to throttle them in Mario Kart. Now they both can destroy me. And we're kind of realizing a little bit about what's important about being around our family and spending time together and finding things that we enjoy doing, but also finding new things that we enjoy doing together. Wow. Thank you to all our faculty for their perspectives. And thank you to all our listeners for listening. You know, when we talk about times of uncertainty, we often look to mentors, leaders, and educators for guidance. And Dylan and I have been so fortunate to have had all three at the Lorna College of Medicine. To all our listeners out there, don't forget to stay tuned for upcoming episodes and follow us on Twitter for more Green Mountain Medicine updates. Until next time. That's it for today on Green Mountain Medicine. I'm Matt Sai, And I'm Dylan Conduction. And thanks for tuning in. If you found our discussion enjoyable, please don't forget to follow us on Twitter at ACP underscore Vermont for more podcast updates.